Okay, well, we have to play the song again. No, we're not playing the song. You ready? Intro song. I'm gonna cut all of that out. This, none of this is gonna make it. I just need to feel like a final edit. I'm so upset that you guys don't have that song. Hey guys, welcome to Visual Pine. This is episode 5, and we are recording live in beautiful, sunny Astoria. When they listen to this, it won't be live. But we're recording all, it live. Well, all recordings are live. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're recording it live. So, as, as you can hear, we have a special guest today, and that's Ari. Well, no, I'm usually like your co-host, but this is actually our second special guest. Our first special guest was Jimbo, which you heard in the intro from the last episode. And today we have Patrick, who's Alex's brother. Hi, guys. Well, hello. Welcome to uh, the Visual Pine podcast. (laughs) Pat has like spoken in front of audiences before. He's actually been like a guest speaker in this um, design guild talk. And I guess, I don't know, talking into a microphone makes it. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's very strange talking into a microphone. It's my first podcast experience. Um, it's very different than what I've done before. Uh, but I guess a little about myself is uh, I worked in a fintech blockchain crypto company for the last two years. I worked on branding and kind of in the later years transitioned more into a UX UI position where I kind of worked on crypto exchanges and designed the platforms there. And now I kind of I quit my job and I went to a little uh, coding school to learn a little, a little bit of front end coding. And right now I'm kind of in, in the position of kind of transitioning and uh, working on my portfolio and just kind of finding myself more as a UX UI designer and I'm going to be applying soon. That's kind of me right now. We've done some freelance work too. Yeah, right? yeah. So we've done some, yeah, we've collabed on some freelance work. <laughs> Collab. <laughs> it sounded like you were going to start rapping at the beginning. You're like, I was in a fintech startup, like crypto, which <laughs> was like my, auto beat for a second. My rap career is going to come in, uh, late later this year. <laughs> late 2020. Look yes. out for his first album. <laughs> we have a, a fourth person in the recording studio who we're trying to have as a director. <laughs> and yeah. But also us- a guest in the future. This is a hint, a hint for a future podcast because this is how we like to do things. We like to hint at things. So yeah, this is episode five. Ari, right, why don't you say what we're going to be talking about? We're going to be talking about the transition that I see a lot of designers doing from graphic design to UI UX. So right now, Patrick is going through that position and I feel like I'm kind of going through that too. I also quit my job recently. <laughs> Hey. And while I was there, I was the lead web designer for them. I also worked with my coworker on it, who used to work for Wix, making templates. And while I was doing that, I was learning how to code very basic things with HTML and CSS. And I used Code Academy, which hmm. is something that you can go to online. You don't have to pay for it unless you really want to. But Patrick actually went to a boot camp for it. Yeah, what was that boot camp called? It was um, it was called Noble Desktop. Ooh. It's it's more like a it's not really a bootcamp. I would say it's more like a school. Cl- it's just classes. Um, and they organize it in a structured way to like you know to get whatever. If you want to be like a website like full stack designer, they have like classes and you can just take those. Um, it's not like the traditional bootcamps where like you know you put into a class and you have like you know homework and everything for three months. It's more like just like it's more flexible. But it's it was pretty cool. It's a good experience for sure. It definitely seemed more chill and like a, it was just more realistic i think where you you know you didn't 
devote literally three months of your time to it. It was just like yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like school where like you went for the classes and then you would go home and like still have I yes, guess. exactly. It's it's more like I guess the it's up to you to learn. Um, I'm like I'm one of those people who needs like structure, so it's kind of it was hard for me. Like if I would go home and just try to learn it by myself, I would get distracted. So it's it's good to go to like a place where you have someone to talk to and um see examples like live instead of like doing it yourself at home. Um, I guess that's like the benefit for the school that I went to. I definitely feel like a classroom setting is a lot easier to learn in. I do try to learn things on my own, but mm-hmm. to have somebody live explain things to you and also go through the process with you mm-hmm. instead of just trying to guess what the answer is or figure it out, that could be really time consuming. And sometimes you don't get it for hours. Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Yeah. It's, you know, it's like you have a question, you can just ask someone and they're like two seconds, you can figure, you can all figure it out. Like we try to learn something for yourself. It takes like, if you get stuck in a problem, it's like, you know, you got to go on Google. You don't really have an idea what's wrong with it. So I mean, and I guess that's the benefit. Even yeah. if you go on Google, like sometimes the the solution, like the answers people give are either really complicated or like they're not really good at explaining it. So you're just like, okay, I see what it should be. And I see like what it's not, but I just don't know how to bridge those two. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's kind of the, the most benefit thing from uh, going to school like that, I think. I I've been wanting to learn coding and I just haven't, I guess, put the time into it yet. But it kind of reminds me of like working from home or kind of like doing freelance work at home where it's just like one thing that I've really struggled with. And I think I'm finally starting to like organize that is like staying motivated when I'm working at home. I think yeah. Like I'm one of those people that kind of like needs to go to a cafe or something if I'm if I'm working freelance. But like now I've kind of made a dedicated space to work in and that's really helped to kind of stay focused and not get distracted all the time yeah no, that's not the same issue you have i think um for me those like three or four bucks for a coffee it's <laughs> so worth it compared to the amount of work you can do in a cafe versus something when you're stuck at in the like an apartment here where you know you just kind of get distracted with oh i'm gonna go get some food and then like you spend a half an hour making lunch yeah back, and then you watch tv and you're like all right i'm gonna try to get it done now but when you get yourself in that like the the place just yeah it's completely different and you just kind of focus on everything i don't know if it's this is like the weirdest thing but the way i always justify working in like a public setting like a cafe is all these other people are like doing something so i feel like i need to be doing something or else i'm gonna be like i feel like people are gonna know that i'm being lazy (laughs) and they're gonna like judge me for it you think that people are paying attention being like no i don't have that for sure what is that guy doing (laughs) just sipping coffee in a cafe just chilling does he know that he has to wear a fedora (laughs) and type a book (laughs) there's a there's a cafe for the listeners in astoria here where the employees have to wear a fedora and it's like everyone here is protesting that cafe because we that's just like against human rights yeah, if we have to, to boycott i think it's a definitely a human rights issue um <laughs> we're trying to do a change petition get a thousand signatures we've been the, trying to get uh, all the democratic candidates to speak up about it <laughs> please no more fedoras <laughs> make fedoras illegal 2020 <laughs> but yeah um why do you think people are switching from more traditional graphic design to ui ux good question i that's actually yeah um i think I mean, so I think design goes through transitions a lot and really quickly. Um, I think right now what we're seeing is that graphic design in general is becoming more accessible to a lot of people. Just, you know, with templates and like Wix sites, you can make things quickly. I think you got to distinguish yourself differently from, you know, where the, you got, it's like to be good in graphic design, you have to be like really good nowadays um, to make your money worth it. So I think trying to transition to different fields where it's more like less competitive 
um, in terms of like, you know, quality and you can try to find your space where you're actually good at something. It's pretty good. I think that, you know, it goes along with digital design. A lot of digital design, obviously people use websites and apps for everything and you want them to look actually professional. Some places still have their websites or their apps that just look very outdated. Yeah. A lot of new things are developing too, but that you could do with UI UX. And, I, I mean, think, no, I didn't mean to cut you off, but okay. I, was, I think it makes things like more interesting and more interactive for the user. Yeah. And kind of going off with that is um, where there's a lot of new things. I know this is something that we were talking about earlier, which is a topic we want to save for the future. But like UI UX is allowing for a lot of new kind of fields of design that are just now really starting to, I guess, take shape, like virtual reality and augmented reality. And we definitely want to get into that. Augmented reality is a type of virtual reality. I think there's three types of virtual reality. Mm, I don't know. There's augmented reality. um, There's reality. I forgot what it's called. But reality, reality. <laughs> no, um, there's just virtual reality where, of course, um, it's like you a put on whole... a headset and nothing else is actually changed. And then there's reality that is more environmental. Mm-hmm. Like so, environmental design? No. You know, environmental design is signage and all yeah. that. But that kind of um, virtual reality uses the space around you. Mm-hmm. So they would have either projections or something and like maybe some props as well there was a speaker who went to montclair about it i don't know because i feel like vr is just when something is fully virtual right like so like if you put on a headset and you're like in the woods meanwhile you're in an apartment or even if it's not a headset but like you're able to you know have a whole bunch of screens or something that's virtual reality but augmented reality is taking what you're currently in and just changing it a little bit. So it's like, if you look at a poster and it starts moving, like that's re- augmented reality, but virtual reality would be like, you're just completely somewhere else. Oh, our um, director is bringing up- Types of virtual reality. reality. <laughs> yes. I, I'm more confused now than I was before. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot more than just three we found, wow. thanks to our director. <laughs> well, I'm still right. <laughs> Yes, let's. All right. well, we got another image, and now there's even more boxes. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> what Rachel's bringing up is a flowchart of the different types of virtual reality. Um, we thought there was like two or three, and appears to be a lot more. We like, might want to start video recording our podcast too, because I realize we have yeah. a lot of visuals that we can't show you guys. We tried to describe it, but I mean that doesn't really give it justice. I see this little. There's one that says fully immersive VR, semi-immersive VR, and non-immersive VR. Yeah. Okay. That's the, that's the one you were thinking. Yes. Huh. That's probably a good way to break it down. You're right. Yeah, that's a good way to break it down. And then it goes into those different categories that Rachel showed us. Yeah. I uh, I don't know what non-immersive VR would be. I think that would just be the headset. Like just on its own? I don't know. This looks. I feel like I gotta do some more research. Yeah, this is... Well, again, we're going to go... You, gotta, got, you have to bring a VR expert into your podcast. If you're a VR expert, please contact us. <laughs> you, should, you should guys have an uh, Instagram handle. Oh, we should. We need yeah. to make an Instagram. That's the one thing that Instagram. we've I've been thinking of. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, aside from virtual reality, of course, there's a lot of other types of digital design. Right. And I think Tons. that 
Yeah. With the technology developing, a lot of things that are used for graphic design are going down, especially when people are trying to be more environmental too. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to cut down on things like packaging yeah. or using plastic. Or even just ink. And ink, yeah. We were talking about Krispy Kreme yesterday. We were. And how we think that they made a really economical choice. This is Ari's idea. I don't want to steal it from you, so I want to make sure... We give you credit. Do you want to describe it? Okay, sure. So if you guys have ever had a Krispy Kreme donut, (laughs) you've seen their boxes. Their boxes have the logo on it. And it's also got some polka dots all over it, which is, I thought, a nice way to add some color and a little bit more design to it without using a lot of ink. Yeah, because it's just like a white box and then with like green dots on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's our sponsor for today. (laughs) Krispy Kreme. Krispy Kreme. Use discount code VisualPine when ordering Krispy Kreme. And you will get six donuts for regular price. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like some people get confused about what UI and UX really means. Mm. Do you want to describe the difference there, Patrick? Yeah, I would say, so the best way I can describe it is, so they're both very similar in terms of what, you know, end user sees, but... The UI is how it visually looks. Um, this is how, like, if you just take the visual aspect of an app or any kind of interface, the visual interface, that's how it just looks. But it depends, like, it, how a the app or interface kind of feels. Like, you know, how you're going through it, the user flows, um, how it just feels as a as a product to the end customer is the UX of it. Um, so if you're ever like trying to sign up for something and you're like, oh, wow, it's so easy to sign up for this. You know, I just put in my email and I'm already using the app. That's a UX uh, design. Um, if you're looking at an app, say, for example, and you think it looks pretty, that's more UI. Um, but they both go hand in hand together, you know, to get a good product, you kind of have to have both of them working really well together. I was going to ask, do you think that like it'd be more beneficial to have an expert in just UI and an expert in just UX or someone that does both together? Um, I would say... It really depends on the company. If you have a lot of, you know, resources, it's always better to separate every single aspect of design to have just mm-hmm. someone to focus on one part. Um, if, but say you're a startup, it's always good to have someone knowledgeable on both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it really just depends on the company, I guess, or what kind of product, you know, resources you have for whatever you're working on. Um, but I always just think in terms of design, it's always good to separate like every little aspect of design. Like if you have like a project, have someone focus on just the fonts, have someone to focus on, you know, every, just small parts, have the like, you know, bring their expertise into it. Yeah. Um, I think the end product will always be better uh, than having someone just try to do everything. With my history of UI UX, um, and I wonder if, if you found this, uh, I found that a lot of people who are more like of the creative kind of designers and kind of see themselves as artists had a really hard time with UI UX because I think UI UX takes a lot more of a logical approach than more of like an artsy approach. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of, um, we're getting more notes from my director. <laughs> and they're um, helpful. They are very helpful. Yes. Um, I so guess. I guess we, we should probably circle back to that then. But yeah, so do you think that like um, UI... UX would be more challenging for someone who's more artistic, or do you think it's just? Um, I think, I mean, it's. I think it's it really just depends on the person. I think having artistic skills is all really beneficial. Makes you think outside the box. So if you want to, if you have the skills to do UI, and you're have an artistic approach, you you might come up with a product that's more unique and different than what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there might be a like a bigger learning curve, but I think in general, just UI UX is less about you know freedom. It's more about structure, um, just things that work in general when it comes to terms of the user experience. It's more about research. You know, like say you based on your research, you find a button you get a more sign up percentage of a button is if it's on the lower side of the screen then it's you know it's not an artistic approach yeah it's, it's more about the research that you've done and you've seen that you know putting a button in this location um results in a better outcome um that's I, it's it's always i think it's good to have different backgrounds when it comes to design though because uh, you never know like someone who's really artistic trying to do a ux ui could come up with something just you know yeah more really good compared to someone who doesn't have that approach. Yeah, I feel like that could be a divisive kind of question. And it's just more of something that I've come across in my own experience, but I don't think that's a universal thing. <laughs> um, so as our director was saying that we should probably go into more of the actual UI UX and what exactly it is. Well, okay, for those of you who don't know, UI stands for user interface and UX stands for user experience. Yeah. And so, Kind of like what Patrick was saying was the user interface or the interface of a program or a website or an app. That's what you see. So that's like, you know, when you go on a web page and the top has like a green gradient and there's like a bottom illustration and all that. And like how the buttons look, that's all the interface. That's what it looks like. And then the user experience is how you experience for lack of a better word the whole program it's how easy it is to use it yeah and like so you know if you're ever on a site and you can't figure out where you want to go if you can't find information that you need if the whole process of navigating the site is just a headache you know that someone didn't do their job for user experience yeah i think that for ui and ux you usually do a lot more research than you would for graphic design because usually they bring in groups of people to test out either the website or the app and see how easy it is for them to use it. If they could easily find, like, say, the search bar or a different kind of feature on the app, then they know that it's working or not working. And they also have um, another kind of field that's just a user experience researcher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and even like before sometimes even start working on something, you'll get interviews with people who are like your target audience and you'll interview these people and just get to see like what they look for and what they need like i had a project where i had to redesign my school's um like the student it's not a website it was kind of like just like the database for for students and it's what they used to change classes or see what their grades were and before i even started thinking about the design of how i would redesign this website i got a bunch of different students you know some who were in the art majors some who weren't in the art majors some who were transfer students some who were there for the whole four years and i interviewed them and i just said hey when you go to look at grades what's your process or like hey what's your favorite part of changing classes or what's your worst part about changing classes and you kind of see what they like, what they don't like, and you get a better idea of what you should do. Yeah, I think also it, it's cool because um, for those user research surveys, you need to actually even design those. <laughs> Spend time into figuring out how a user is going to approach your the interview questions. Like I think a big one is like, do you like this app? And then they say, oh, I love it. But then you say, would you recommend it to a friend? And they say, oh, not really. I mean, that, then you have an issue with your app. And then it's, it's more, they probably said they love this app for to appeal to the, you know, the interviewee. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, the design goes into every aspect of UX, even like up down to asking the questions. That's a good point. That's something that I, I think that um, 
not forgot about, but something I didn't really think to say. Wait, <laughs> do you guys didn't shout out your beverages? Your your Mar- bevs. bevs? Yeah. Oh my gosh. You so, always do that in every okay. episode. Alex has been calling beverages and drinks bevs. Okay, no, no, no. Oh, I have no. Patrick's been saying bevs, <laughs> and because Patrick started saying bevs, <laughs> I started saying. You don't bevs. have to adopt it. <laughs> We're in New York. We have to speak like we're from New York oh or they're going to know we're tourists. <laughs> well, I, well I, I was actually born in Brooklyn, so. so what, and you didn't know what fit means? <laughs> that is just ridiculous. I, I hate that word. I saw this girl in the subway and I was like, yo, where'd you cop that fit? And she had no idea what I said. You said that to someone? To her, to Ari. Oh. And oh. she had no idea what I said. <laughs> but she said it to someone. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't think people talk like that all the time. And if they do, <laughs> I don't know. Go back to school. We have to relearn your vocabulary because no, I no. hate this. <laughs> we were just saying how voca- like language changes. <laughs> this is the language of New York. I... <sighs> I'm not even drinking anything though, Pat. I You have so many <laughs> drinks. What are you talking about? I I drank an Arizona, but now it's empty. You have your green tea that Rachel made you. This berry LaCroix water. Orange juice. Oh, yeah, I think we should shout out every single drink we have on this table right now. All right. <laughs> it's, and most of it is Alex's. Wait, wait. A peach Snapple, an Arizona Orangeade, a LaCroix berry. Uh, Arizona green tea, and then what do you have? An orangina with orange pulp, sparkling citrus oh. bev, a Stortz orange and cream. We also have a uh, nice brand Icelandic pure spring water. Some green tea that's brewed in a mug. A really nice mug, by the way. We have more LaCroix. We have two LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a break. All right, we kind of take a break. So... Yeah, UI UX and graphic design, I think that although they're very specific when you get into it, they do kind of have uh, an umbrella connection, I guess, if like, you know, they have like a loose connection, like under design as a whole, you have like graphic design, digital design, UI UX, you know, Mm -hmm. print design. Um, But why don't we talk about, I guess, how maybe someone who is in like a graphic design major and they might want to look into UI UX, like how they can get started. Yeah, I think, um, so a lot of times people, it's UI UX is a little different where in graphic design, it's very focused. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's all in graphic design because graphic design has a lot of research also, but it's very much focused on like the end product, like the poster you're working on or like um, a branding logo or something. Uh, UI UX especially is more focused on the research and the, the process. Versus compared to the, I mean, the final product is important too, but there's a lot of focus in doing the research and the approach to UX. I think that the process, like the design process, I know some schools don't really emphasize it, but I know like we all went to Montclair Mm -hmm. and they really emphasize that you need to research, sketch, and then design. Right. And then I think UI UX has a similar process where you do a lot of research, but I think the process for UI UX design is a little bit stricter and it's definitely more necessary. 
Yeah, I mean, it's I, I would say in both fields are super important. Um, but if you would be, say, a graphic designer and you kind of want to transition into UI UX, um, I would even look into, like, say you, you're working like part-time at a, at a company and you kind of want to help them out. I would say in any place you're working at, always look in, into trying to help trying to improve the place that you're working at. Even if it's like, I say, like a grocery store, try to do something, you know, to show yourself how, as a designer. So like an example, you could be, you could be working, you would see that, um, like all of these these people are going over to this area more based on this research we can like try positioning the sign over there or whatever you know so just so you have some kind of results for your work that you do um yeah small things like that like definitely add up um i worked at a walgreens when i was in high school and for two years in college like i worked there for a long time um and they knew that i wanted to be a designer so one small thing i did was um, we would print photos in Walgreens. So that kind of became like my little zone. Like whenever someone had a question about like a photo or how they wanted to edit it, or if they were making a book and like they were asking the manager like a question, which was usually like a design question, like something as simple as like, what, like, what font do you think will look best? They would always call me over. And it was like, even though it didn't really, I think help out that much in the long run it was kind of nice to see that they were still treating me as like a graphic designer even though i was working just as like a customer service retail person Mm. and like you know it did give me a little bit of practice so like even something as small as that even if you're not working in a graphic design job think of yourself as a designer and opportunities will come out of that yeah i think it's a really good point think especially at the end of the day when you put on your resume it's like say you worked at like a walgreens it's like you can put work at walgreens and helped find you know help with font choices like that those small things add up yeah especially if you're like applying to an internship you know having some experience makes you look better than someone who doesn't have anything exactly yeah i would say just as a if you're you know trying to just transition just look up the process of ux ui um read some books this the you know talking about um the approaches that they do um and try to implement into your own you know projects i think it, it'll help it'll show you that you know how to do the, the the research part and then that's already a good example is there any like programs you recommend like yeah because ui ux isn't just coding there's also right. um, different programs that we would use other than adobe photoshop and illustrator and indesign yeah um well, i guess programs for sure is uh learn the big ones i would say sketch is number one XD and maybe Figma or number two. Um, they're very similar. Th- those are more UI prototyping tools, but so it's for the end result, but I would say you need those for sure to learn UI UX. Um, maybe look up some, there's a whole bunch of right online. I want to say there's just one. There's flow charts you can do for user flows. Um, I wish I can pull up an example right now. I just, I have them bookmarked, but I don't have, know the names. Yeah, but like not in your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I would honestly just read a lot, go like on medium, um, read articles, see what people are posting. That's, that's new in the space as trends is a huge one. Um, it changes a lot people, you know, constantly doing research and trying to, you know, how people interact with different, um, products. It's, it's always a good to know what's the most recent ways to do things. One thing that really improved my design, I think as a whole, was looking at Behance, just looking at what other people were doing and putting out there Mm -hmm. and kind of noticing maybe what trends were going on 
and trying to copy that and just, you know, just be like, oh, okay, so I can see this trend. I can see what they're doing. Now I know how they did it. And then once I understood how it worked, implementing it into my work. So like, you're not copying exactly. You're just like learning how to use a trend. You yeah. Know, don't, don't copy other people's work for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think especially as early des- graphic designers, we're, we're, we're trying to recreate things more than doing our own thing. Mm-hmm. And then once you start kind of finding your own flow and you start knowing your own style. And so uh, I would say as an early designer, you know, don't be afraid when you're seeing things, you know, you're making things up and it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm more copying things. I'm not really trying to do my own thing. Um, Cause I think it takes time for you to find your own style. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's more about practice in the beginning. Um, but don't do it when you're, you know, in the professional field, just copying things is, is definitely not a thing you should be trying to do. Because that's plagiarism. That's plagiarism. <laughs> and you'll get shot. Well, maybe not that extreme, <laughs> but you can get fired. Yeah. And also maybe sued. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can get into some bad legal trouble. Definitely takes time, though. It takes time to find your, your you know, because I remember when I was like learning graphic design or whatever, I was just following YouTube tutorials or, or going on like, um, just seeing what other people were doing, and then it took me. T- it took me a lot of time to figure out wh- where I where I was, and what kind of designer I kind of wanted to be. Do you think that um, UI UX, like a UI UX designer, can only be a UI UX designer? Do you think that they can overlap with graphic design? Do you think that like someone can go in and out of the field? Like maybe someone like you. You did a lot of like identity and visual design mm-hmm. for for Shift. Do we want to say the, the name? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you did a lot of visual identity design for Shift um, and some UI UX work. And now you're definitely trying to transition more into UI UX from what I see. Do you think if you like, should you stick with UI UX forever? Or do you think you can shift back to like a different type of design, like motion design, if you ever wanted to? I think it's good to have a focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess coding is, I didn't go to coding to be a front-end developer. I kind of went into having a more better understanding of how these these um, interface, like just front-end in general works to, to have a better understanding in my terms of, of a product designer and UX designer. Um, there were times where I would be designing things for for interface, like you know, for my old company, and I would, my developers would come back and you know they would tell me, oh, we can't do this because of this reason, this reason. And the only way I would ever know those cases was if I would actually develop those, you know, those things. Um, I think also learning code has helped me a lot to I get understand how how the web functions, you know, like responsive design, understanding it's it's like you would I, like there's always like this like dynamic between i think developers and designers hmm. where designers want the best thing but the developers come back and like hey this is awesome but it's almost it's it's so difficult to do and it's there's 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 always you know compromises um it's yeah so i think having backgrounds in other fields such as graphic design like you said before having like an artist doing ui ux it's it's good to have backgrounds so, so you can approach it differently mm-hmm. and have a better understanding but just have a focus like if you want to fo- you know do ux just focus on ux but it's it's good to have different backgrounds for sure it's it's, it's very beneficial i think the the first thing you said too is something that I think would be a good little emphasis where a lot of people might be intimidated to start UI UX just because they think like, oh, I have to code everything. And I think that it's definitely helpful to know coding more so so you know what's doable and what's um, within reason. 
Because I think if you are designing without knowledge of how stuff works and how you can make stuff happen, you like, like you said, you can create these fantastical designs that aren't really possible or like that are going to end up making the user experience like more clunky or something like that. Mm -hmm. It would just take longer for a project to actually happen because Mm -hmm. obviously these things take time. So um, the person who's coding it may say, hey, we can do this, but we can't do it within this time frame, Mm -hmm. which is when we need it. Yeah. So if you're like, if you're one of those people who are like, oh, I don't want to do UI UX because I don't like coding. I don't think that you need to know coding to code the program. I think you just need to understand like how it is actually going to end up being programmed into whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. I think um, there's most UI UX, I think we can call it uh, even like product designers nowadays, they don't really code. I mean, a most majority I would say don't know how to code. Um, it's just like a skill. If it, you know, if you have the skills, it's super helpful to just to understand. But uh, I mean, like UI UX doesn't even have to come in terms for I guess like digital design, like apps or whatever. Because um, you could do UX design for for let's say like flat iron and try to build a product. You know, I think right now is the term UI UX is more turning into like product designers, where you take the UI UX approach and you you kind of focus it on a product. So what's the difference between uh, product designer and UI UX exactly? I guess <laughs> they, it's all it's always overlapping. Mm-hmm. I think um, for for product design, like you're more trying to focus on how to how to make the product more approachable to the customer, oh, okay. and how to increase whatever. Like say you want to increase sales, then you take the product that exists and you find ways to increase sales with the UI UX process. Oh. The UX process, I would say. I think that's. Um... A, a little nuggy of knowledge that that you actually gave me, Pat, where designers um, need to learn how to market themselves, right? And it's not that just we're people who draw logos or who are creative, but we are creative problem solvers and we are creative thinkers. So mm-hmm. we don't, again, we don't just draw logos. We find solutions in visual formats. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, um, totally agree with that. I think the if you want to market yourself, the, the uh, most companies nowadays, big companies are trying to figure out how to implement the design thinking into their products. So when it comes to you know the designers taking the design approach, the, the you know the design methodology, um, it's it's a huge thing nowadays, a huge trend I see. How would you, since um, you're redoing your portfolio to include more UI UX? How would you showcase those little details for it? Good question. Um, I would go. I would take whatever your your approach and methodology, like your um, your your approach to design. I guess I'm trying to think of the word. Um, like your process. Your process. Yeah. Um, say you start off by doing research. Include the research into your portfolio. Show how you approach the research, how you found um, your target audience, how you designed your app to to um focus on that target audience um show your your already sneezed i just want to say that already sneezed (laughs) show bless you in the comments (laughs) and then um show how the users interact with the app what you've done to improve improve it so all these little steps really shows can show um the person looking looking at your portfolio that you know what you're talking about uh i think a lot of times we just kind of showed the end product, which is, it's cool, but 
there's the yeah it's you know you can you can never know if a designer just copies something from someone else yeah i see for some odd reason a lot of portfolios where they just show a flat screen of whatever page they made of either a website or an app and it's not even like full-on front view it's like tilted to the side mm -hmm. oh yeah it's got all of this other stuff going on there's like a glare yeah that happens a lot <laughs> it's, it's cool to click on but then like yeah after it that, looks yeah. nice but then i can't actually see what the design looks like exactly yeah like they kind of hide it almost yeah yeah i yeah i i i've always found it difficult because i've gotten two very different viewpoints on portfolios where i've heard some people really strongly say like just show the work people don't care about sketches and the process then i've heard other people saying like no you need to show the process because like that's where that's where the whole point of design is right it's like for ui ux you should probably show like the wireframes or site maps because then they also get an idea of what leads to what. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also those are huge steps in the design process. Like if you like if you're applying for a job for UI UX person, you'll see like in a description, it won't be like, oh, design an app. It'll be like, can you know create wireframes and thumbnails and like, you know, come up with a sitemap for it and stuff like that. Like that's a big part of what a UI UX designer does. Yeah. And that's all part of the research. Because again, research is a huge part of the position. I would say from a perspective of like looking at people's portfolios and um, having um, looking for uh, candidates for a company, uh, I'm always, always always a big fan of process work. Um, I would say having like four projects with really detailed process work is better than having like 16 projects with no process work. That reminds, kind of reminds me, but both of you, Ari and Pat, you guys have both been on the hiring side of like design world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. You guys have, I was just going to say, like, you have like, a good input on this. I mean, well, yeah, I've also heard the same thing where you should either show your process work or you should just show the final product. But I do believe for UI UX, the process work is really important. Mm. Um, for the final product, though, if you do have something that is unique to the website, like, say, how the animation is whenever you put in something in the menu, maybe you could add that as a video or... I've even heard using it as a GIF mm -hmm. in your website because then you don't have to worry about if the video isn't working or if you have to upload it to YouTube or Vimeo. And then that, like, yeah, that can cause a lot of, like, like it can just be annoyed to load, you know, if there's bad Wi-Fi or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I would just be careful because GIFs also have their super high bandwidth. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, it's yeah, anything that works, like visuals. Is it worse than a, a video? Uh, it really depends on the GIF. Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's short. Yeah, and I guess if it's like I don't know, I think anytime there's like moving image or like internet, you know, that can always get a little bit clunky. Yeah. Right. Well, that tip was given to me. <laughs> I guess yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That tip was given to me by another one of our old classmates, Gapo, and he works for Apple now. Mm -hmm. Oh, he has a podcast too. He does have a podcast competition <laughs> well he had his first <laughs> first I know you best. okay oh, no. I, I'm wondering Pat like what are you excited about anything in the future do you think like in terms of design or like in terms of like everything else in life <laughs> I guess like in terms of your career uh yeah I guess I'm I'm really excited to see um and this transitioning period is, is kind of cool uh it's 
I'm, I feel like I'm learning a lot, but I think in design, you're always constantly learning no matter what. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see where the future takes me. Uh, is there any kind of like uh, dream position you are looking for? I guess like uh, I'm pretty much open. I mean, I would like to do something in the 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 fashion, maybe um, e-commerce space, because mm. I feel like I know that really well. But I mean, I'm really open to honestly. I mean, even like tech companies, I like to. So, I'm, I would say I'm open right now to future positions. Um, like one with like a really nice office, you know, like has a little, maybe like a convenience store in their cafeteria or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Speaking of working in a fashion space, mm-hmm. you could use, and I've seen other places do this, like augmented reality to see what a piece of like jewelry or garment would look like on you. On you. Yeah. And some people, there's also this app where you wear this fitted suit and it takes your measurements and then from those measurements and doing a little quiz, it gives you clothes recommendations mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or styles. So that's something to think about. I think augmented reality reality, and just virtual reality in general is going to change the world in the next 20 years. Yeah. I, I was always skeptical. And then I tried on actual virtual reality. And then after having experience, it's like, no, this is, this is something else. Uh, I think... Once the 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 products become less clunky, you know, they're more compact and easy accessible to more a bit broader audience. Is like when we're going to start really seeing it become hugely huge in our daily life. Well, I just want to say that you have a VR headset, yes. and every time you come back to New Jersey, all you do is just play with that VR headset. Yeah, so <laughs> it's fun it's to fun. see. It's it fun to fun. see other people yeah. in it. That's, yeah, that's why. My favorite was the um, there was one where like you're on a on a high like building and you have to walk this plank and everyone in my family was so freaked out and they wouldn't like want to step over the edge and I just walk off and then I accidentally took a wrong step so I fell off and I was like oh I guess I'm falling now. I think that you purposely jumped off. Maybe yeah, I think you jumped off on purpose. <laughs> and your dad was like on all fours trying to crawl. Yeah, the plank. Like, yeah. I, I I couldn't do it the first time I was on it. I was too scared. And I was just like oh this is fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, if you guys do want to see more about what's up and coming in virtual reality, maybe there are some behind the scenes from the Google I.O. convention that they had. Um, Google I.O. is this convention where they invite creators and developers to show off the new things that they're working on and what could possibly be released in the future. I.O. Why is everything that's kind of related to maybe like tech I guess right now end with IO. I think it's because Indian Ocean um, is they. I think I forget the the IO stands for Indian Ocean, and I I don't I forget the the whole story behind it. But they were selling them to people, and it became it just became popular like a trend. Okay, I was just thinking like, is it just like a fad now, pretty much? Yeah, it's kind of like a fad. It's like the next. It's I guess because it doesn't belong to any country or something like that. Yeah, it's more like a region. Yeah, and just they use just IO. I mean, I guess it's cool. I mean, it's cooler than oh. .com. Rachel's showing us. Our, our director. Our director. <laughs> .io. What's the little Wikipedia thing say there? I just think of like, Old McDonald had a farm. .io. Am I wrong? It's assigned to British Indian Ocean Territory. It's really it's targeted highly by Google because it's a generic top level domain where users and webmasters that fre- users and webmasters frequently see the domain more generic than country targeted. Oh, okay, that actually that makes sense. 
Yeah, so it just ranked higher on Google and then it doesn't really belong to a place. But like .com isn't necessarily... Well, .com, .org, and .net all have different purposes. Yeah. yeah, and .com is so saturated. So I guess that's true. .com is saturated and also I think even though it's not country specific, it's so kind of located in especially Northern America, I'd say, right? Because like I know when I go to Europe, you don't go to like google.com, you just go to Google dot whatever country you're in so like dot de for germany or yeah i guess it's more generic to the world yeah i guess that makes sense for io then huh i learned something today <laughs> we all learned something today unless you guys have better learned something today oh my gosh <laughs> do you guys get any um user user like feedback not you feedback um like listener comments so we don't like I don't think you can actually leave a comment on any of the platforms that this is posted on because it's like Spotify or Podcast, but we do get Instagram messages. And Snapchat messages. Oh, yeah. And all of them have just been like, oh my gosh, they've been very positive. Thank you guys for, for supporting our podcast and liking it. It definitely makes us happy that you guys like it. And I'm just so glad because... We didn't really know what to expect with this podcast, so we're very happy with with the feedback we've gotten so far. Yeah, Alex has been wanting to do a podcast for such a long time, so he's pretty excited. Like a year. I, <laughs> I guess that's it. You want to talk about any like anything with your design history or your, like your career before we, I guess, go? Do you want to save that for like maybe a future episode? Do you want to give a quick? Oh yeah, so I guess we could do plugs. Yeah, um, plugs. Let me see. I guess the best way to contact me is through my Instagram because I'm on Instagram all the time. It's, it's simply.pat. Um, at simply.pat? Yeah, at yeah. simply.pat. My website is patrickkosmoski.com, but I'm working on that right now. It's still pretty cool, guys, though, yeah, so you should check it out. Okay. <laughs> he has, like, a custom cursor. Yeah. <laughs> I know, like, you've been, you've been working on it for a little bit, and, you know, I, I'm excited to see what it's going to look like in the, as a final product uh-huh. but i've just been really i like looking at it the new one the, yeah the, the one i have now interesting i'm not a huge fan of that one <laughs> yeah but I, I like it but yeah true <laughs> cool well, no yeah i mean it's like it's like a personal project you know it's like yeah, you want to keep working on it kind of thing i get that i want to change my website too i haven't i haven't really changed it up in the past i really need to change my website that's a struggle of always every designer <laughs> always needs to update their portfolio and it's every like i think we said this in our first podcast where like every every year every year yeah you should look at it and i feel like oftentimes i end up doing it soon like i updated my resume three times i think and since i graduated so but i like where it's at so at simply.pat look up patrickkosmowski.com um Kosmowski. You should probably spell that out for you. If you know how to spell my last name though, then it's the same. If you go on my Instagram, it's there. Yeah. Um Yeah, definitely if you are looking for a UI UX designer, contact Patrick because he is looking, but only if it's a cool company. If you're not a cool company, don't even think about it. <laughs> I'll block you. Cool company. Not a cool company? Um Yeah, what to I, you? I Nestle. Guess. Nestle? Nestle. What about like work-life balance? Does that really matter to you or work-life balance? Yeah, anything like that. Uh, I'm just wondering. I think work-life balance is very important, for sure. You gotta know when to like take a break. Yeah, but if your work, if your work brings you happiness, then I mean, it's all up to you, I guess. Um, yeah. Huh. I I 
I've been thinking about this recently. It's like, what would be the ideal company for me? And I, I don't really know. I Taco feel, Bell? Taco maybe. I think, like, when you believe in the work that you're doing, you know, like, that's, I think, the biggest thing. Like, you're working for a company where you really do subscribe to, like, whatever it is that they do. Yeah, yeah. You know? Or start your own company and do yeah whatever you want. Freelance. That's what Ari is going to... That's what you're doing. You're becoming, like, a, a freelance designer for now while you're in this intermediate... Period. Yeah. While well, I work on my skills and my portfolio. No, always the struggle of designer and the portfolio. <laughs> always. <laughs> yeah. Well. Thanks for listening. This has been episode five of Visual Pine with our guest host, Patrick Kosmowski. Please send these guys your love and subscribe to their podcast on Spotify. And just anything, honestly. We uh, have a link in my Instagram that sends you to like the main page of our podcast and you can have different platforms to listen on it too. Uh, also follow Patrick on Instagram, as we've said. And I, I'm really annoyed that I keep saying my last name the American way. It's not Kosmowski, it's Kosmowski. So get it right, America. Get it right. <laughs> um, the W is a V. So yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed our first guest on this podcast. Well, well our first human guest. Yeah, our first human our guest. First we had human guest. we had Benji and Jimbo <laughs> on both podcasts. Yes. Um, we hope to have you more on. I'd like to hear probably. This is weird because we went to the we went to the same uh, college and we Everywhere. both did graphic design. Yeah, yeah. And you're both brothers. And we're both brothers. <laughs> yes. And I feel like I don't really know. Your graphic design history. I feel like that's something we've never really talked about. Okay, cool. Let's so. let's do an update. Yeah. We'll do like an update check-ins. In That'll be fun. A month or two. So yeah, this has been episode five of Visual Pine. Thanks, guys. Bye. Roll the outro. Let's cut that out that I know you want to say. <laughs> It's not bad. <laughs> no, I think that, that really? was a really, yeah, that was a really good answer. answer. Okay. Yeah. Okay.